Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Good morning and welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I am always delighted to speak with people that I have not necessarily met before, but they have been kind enough to send me their terrific books. And today I get to speak with Tom Shepard, and he is the author of Money Isn't Everything, Everything is Money, a personalized approach to valuing and trading time energy, relationships, and money. So this podcast is rated in the top 2% of podcasts across the globe, and it's because of my guests, truly. So the question today is, how do you relate to money? The way you value and relate to your finances comes from your hardwiring patterns that run deep. And by learning your financial nature, you open the door to discovering who you are and how you can create better health, wealth and happiness. And today, and I'm going to tell you about Tom Shepard. He is a seasoned finance professional with an impressive 27-year career. And throughout his journey, his passion for education and leadership led him to attend and teach at the esteemed Institute for Civic Leadership. And as a prolific writer, he has shared invaluable insights on what he calls the seven levels of sustainable nonprofits, leaving a lasting impact on numerous individuals and organizations. And Tom's dedication to empowering others led him to instruct personal finance and mathematics at the Gould Academy, showcasing his commitment to financial literacy. And that's a word that I don't think we talk about it or a phrase rather that we don't really discuss enough, especially on this show. And that's financial literacy. As I was just noting to Tom in the virtual green room, yeah, it can be a dry subject. It can be a scary subject. But the truth is, if you're walking, talking, breathing, you have to deal with money at some level. And why not do it at the highest level? So very quickly, Tom is an engaging speaker and he captivates audiences with his knowledge and his expertise, but his impact doesn't stop there. He currently leads Shepherd Financial, which is an esteemed firm offering comprehensive financial planning and personalized investment managing services. And additionally, he spearheads Currency Camp. I love that name, which is a platform dedicated platform dedicated to providing financial advice tailored to the needs of groups and individuals. Tom, good morning. Welcome to your partner in success. Oh, and I have your book, Money Isn't Everything, Everything is Money, right in front of me. And thank you for sending that to me. You're very welcome. And uh, it's truly my privilege to be on the show this morning. And thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's Listen, I love to to meet people from all over the world, and especially when it's a conversation that I think is really greatly needed. And I read your book this past weekend. I always read. I'm going to to brag a bit about my uh, my podcast guest, but in my office, I'm looking at the bookcases in here. I have hundreds of books in this room, and every single book, and they're part of my entrepreneurial library. Every single book in this room came from people like you your business people, your educators, 
your authors and you're so kind to send me your book and allow me to read them. So thank you for that. And I have to say, it's an easy read. It's a, I love the colors in it, by the way, but it's very easy to read and absorb. So I read it over the weekend because I knew, well, I'd kind of gone through it a little bit when it first landed here, but I really spent time with it this past weekend. Well, I'm glad that you read it. <laughs> I'm glad that it's That's easy the point. to read. It is. Um, it really is. The, uh, the, the fact is there's lots of books I read um, that, talk about visual things um and so the colors and the pictures and the design itself um i i think help um i'm a visual learner um and so when i see a picture and the picture gives the words context um you know in my own mind things are more organized and i think that's part of what helps make it easier to read um, and the woman who designed the inside of the book is 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 just a fantastic human being and an awesome designer. She did a terrific job when I when it landed here. I always I love to open my front door not to people. I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't answer the door to people unless I know they're coming. There's a sign on my door that says "Unless you were invited or I'm expecting you, don't knock and don't ring the doorbell." And I'm serious about that. But when books land on the doorstep, I'm like, "Ooh!" And I can't get to that door quick enough. So I was thumbing through it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, they're all color tabbed." And if you you turn the book on its side not the the bind you know the binding side but if you print you can go yellow green blue you can tell where you want to be you don't have to stick sticky notes all over it i think it's brilliant yeah i mean she even now is is actually working on a new cover um because as we've um as as we put it out there and we've been able to get some comments back on it um one of the things is the color inside is like a surprise to everybody and um the cover itself is it just seems like you know american money and there's other currencies around the world that are so much more colorful and so some of the feedback was hey maybe you should use like australian or bahamian or Canadian money as the design on the cover. So, um, so, so people are really taken um, by how colorful a, a, a book it is. Um, and that's, that's before you even get into the, right. um, the, the, the meat of what the book's about. So. Well, I have to give you my impression because I looked at it and went, okay, you know, I saw that it was about money and I mean, it was easy. It's an easy book cover to read. But when I opened, I was like, ooh, <laughs> it's like, you know, it was like opening a Christmas present that you didn't expect from Santa. It's like, ooh, I, I love it the way it is, but that's just me. I like the surprise. Yeah. And the big surprise, as we discussed a little bit, is that it's an easy read. You know, the, the sections are like, okay, you know, this makes sense. The seven natures and details distort, you know, we're all monkeys with money, which I loved. Yeah, there's just so many different things in here that you're like, that's interesting. I think I knew that, but I never really delved into it all that much. Everybody who's listening, grab this book. Seriously, and I mean that. Grab the book. So tell us a bit about how 
you wrote this book and how it relates to our to understand understanding sorry our financial nature because i don't think many of us do to be honest i mean we just grow up we go out we make money we spend money and then all of a sudden we're like well crap <laughs> what just happened so you know i don't think much i don't think many of us understand our financial nature until we have to does that sound about right and even then we probably don't have the words to accurately communicate to ourselves about what that would even mean and and so the the whole concept behind the book kind of played itself out or was um you know downloaded into into my head over over a period of time but the the basic premise um is is that people have a hardwired way of relating to money and and not everybody is hardwired the same way so we are different and if we can understand how we're different um and we can accept that our difference is very similar to other people who are like us and that the differences between a husband and wife uh a son or daughter and their parents, um, if we understand that these these differences serve us as a whole, then we we can be more conscious of our initial hardwired nature, but then we can use the understanding that other natures are just as legitimate, and then we can intentionally find people who are good at something we're not and and learn to make that a second nature um and that's what life is it's like you were born this way and the rest of life is going to teach you how to be more whole certainly hope so i mean that's the goal i wanted to ask you because we're talking about four currency money you know cash money credit card money that it's not the only currency as humans that we have so you've got four currencies. Can you kind of broadly describe those? Yeah. So the things that we value, um, long time ago when I was training young advisors, like people in their early 20s, we were training them to go out and meet with people who are older, who had more experience, who uh, were, you know, educated in very specific ways, um, would invite 25-year-olds into their house to tell them, uh, you know, I need help. And so one day we're sitting around and I said, what is it that people value? And I'd already kind of had this notion that it can be broken down into, into four things. And so I was just asking them to nominate things that people value. And um, one person said, well, people value their time. Okay. That one's easy time. <laughs> time. What is time? Time is, it's your life. So if I'm going to have a, a good life, I need to make good decisions about how I use, spend, invest, uh, give away my time. Um, so what else do people? What else do people value? And health. Well, good health. How do you know you have good health? You know you have good health when you have good energy. Um, money clearly is something that we need and we need it often to trade for the other things in life that we need like food and housing okay that's like the material world it's the most material thing that we deal with because time's kind of invisible our health can have 
visible manifestations, but energy is kind of invisible. And then the third one is relationships. And so if you are a 25-year-old financial advisor um, with not a lot of experience and you're in somebody's house, you better know quickly whether you're there to help them manage their money, manage their time, manage something about the relationship, um, or maybe they just really have no energy for the subject and they're going to lean on you to provide some energy and some enthusiasm for what they should be doing with their, with their money to try and get the kind of life they want. That's interesting. They have no enthusiasm for it. And I'm I'm thinking that may go back to what we've touched on a bit is like, we just don't know what we don't know. And it's a subject that honestly scares a lot of people, me included every now and then. Stupid. We're just like, oh, geez, now what? I mean, I'm not the only one that this happens to. Thankfully, it's not often, but when it does, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. And you just kind of shut down. My my mom doesn't want to talk about money. Really? You know? But she's three times sent me suggestions for something to buy. And every single time it's worked out well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting how we we all approach money or don't approach it. But money, and like I say, money is not the only currency we have. So we've covered three. What's the fourth one? So it's, it was time energy, relationship, and stuff. So money falls into that stuff category, that material category. I, I had a woman the other day who said, you know, I'm really good at settling myself down and having some good self-talk around managing my time, managing my health, and managing the relationships with people in my life. She's like, I'm good at all that stuff. She's like, but I'm, I just can't I can't settle myself very well when it comes to money. She's like, why is that? And I said, well, you know, when you have those conversations about things that are invisible, there isn't like a physical manifestation staring you in the face, causing you to think about it again or rethink it or have another reaction to it. But when you get your account statement, it's sitting on the table and you open it up and you look at it, 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 it's a snapshot in time, but it's a physical thing that's now sitting there. Set it on the corner of the desk, walk away. Three days later, you come back and it's like, oh, crap, <laughs> there it is again. Um, you know. But then you look, the dog will eat it. Yeah, it's in your face. Um, but what what's in your face? Something, a snapshot in time printed on a piece of paper that um, was shipped from one place to another that represents something that doesn't exist anymore. It's different now. And so, you know, part of what we were helping her to do um, was learn to do the same thing with money that she does with those other uh, currencies. Like if you're good at managing your time, you can be good at managing your money. If you're good at managing your energy, you can be good at managing your money. You just have to have the translation. Uh, so with, with a lot of women, they, you know, my mom, um, uh, Susan, um, my daughter, Sydney, um, there's, there's, there's lots of women in my life who, who kind of have this idea that, you know, money is something that, that they don't really want to deal with. Um, but I, 
I've been able to show them that if there's something you can relate to that is flow and is trade, trading time and energy to get some money so you come home and they're able to buy the things you need to have a healthy relationship with your life, there's, there's a way to do it that you can translate from some part of your life that you do well. Like if you are really good with, with nutrition or you're a yogi and, and you understand energy and the need for it to flow and there's a way for you to translate something you know well into money so that you can then have a relationship with it that's, that's coming from a place of abundance. Things we know well, we know well because we have an abundant kind of relationship with it. Well, and you hear this all the time in the business world, skills are transferable. Right. Even if they're soft skills. And I think we tend to forget that. We're like, oh, I already know that. What we don't understand is that sometimes we may know it, but other people don't. And we should be sharing that knowledge. So, you know, skills are transferable. If you can focus deeply on energy or your health or whatever it is that you're really focused on, and you can pet yourself on the head and say, oh, I'm really good at that. Transfer, or not, I'm not going to say transfer, but share some of that same focus with your money and start working on that arena if you're having trouble. And you said something about stuff, which I instantly just went, Ugh. well, in the <laughs> deep south, we call that a whole body free song. We're just like, oh, God, <laughs> there it is. But stuff. Stuff. I mean, we all have way too much stuff. I mean, my grandparents, my grand grandparents, they were frugal. They had one of everything, or they borrowed it. They didn't have drawers, junk drawers. We all have a junk drawer. They didn't have an attic stuffed full of stuff or a basement stuffed full of stuff. And I'm guilty. You know, if I can't remember that I have it, I'll just go buy it again because I can. It's cheap. It's easy. It's quick. And then one day, I don't even know where this thought came from, but you just reminded me. And my house is very, very tidy. You would not know coming in here that I'm terrified my attic is going to crush me one day. <laughs> it is so full <laughs> there of stuff, and it's all heavy stuff. And I got to looking around, and I opened up my my guest bedroom, and I opened up drawers and cupboards, and I went, Denise, that used to be cash. Stop it. It's just junk. If you're not using it, if you don't even remember that you had it, it's junk. There's a, um, uh, there was a, there was a woman who um, I was introduced to, who uh, a friend of mine and her were out at a bar. They were laughing, having a good time, having a couple of drinks. And the, and the subject of stuff came up. And in particular for her, she lived in Manhattan um, and she worked in the retail uh, industry and, and, you know, busy executive. She kind of had what she called her vice and her vice was buying shoes. And, oh, um, oh, 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 you should see my closet. And, I'm a nerd in stilettos, honestly, and I rarely go outside. I don't have to, but my closet looks like Saks Fifth Avenue threw up in there. It's embarrassing. So, so she, she, they get on the phone and she's like, you got to help me. I have a problem. I'm like, do you really? What's the problem? She says, and uh, so we did a little work with her 
And um, we gather her financial information and we crunch some numbers. And I said, you don't actually spend too much money. You're, you're going to be fine. Um, your retirement is going to be adequately funded. You, you've done an amazing job. You're in a great place. Um, you do not spend too much money. Um, so keep spending as much money as you want on shoes. Is It's not a problem um, unless you'd like to spend the money on something else. And so that's where we took the conversation. And she's like, and I said, if you, you know, if money were no object, um, how would you spend your money? What would you like to do? And she's like, I want to go to Canyon Ranch. She's like, I want to go to Canyon Ranch. I want to get a spa treatment. I want to take my friend. And so what we did was a little experiment for six months. Um, she spent money a different way. And um, I said, this isn't, I'm not telling you to stop spending money on shoes, but just spend it a different way. You spend as much as you want on the things that you actually um, want to spend money on. And so six months later, well, let me ask you, do you think she spent more money or less money? I think she spent less money and she didn't buy any more shoes. Exactly. Did you read the book? (laughs) (laughs) I did, but that would have been my reaction to somebody saying you can't buy any more shoes. Like, what? (laughs) But if you tell me I can refocus that money to somewhere else, then you got my attention. So, yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah, there was another another woman who um, after every every time she closed a big deal, like her her she was a salesperson, um, a recruiter. Um, that the the closing of a deal was always a big paycheck. Um, you know, it's kind of like a Beverly Hills realtor, um, and, and she every single time she would close a deal, she would buy like a brand new black cocktail dress. And um, she had like- I buy a purse. I have Gucci. I have, you know, I love Dooney and Burke. I'm I'm guilty. I know what you're talking about. Been there, done it. Just did it recently. Um, And and so she had 10 cocktail dresses, but she didn't really go to cocktail parties. It was just like something that that she does to to reward herself. And and she said, well, not, not to judge, but rather to ask you some discerning questions, is there something else that would be even more expensive or something else that you would like even more, you know? So, you know, when we get kind of stuck in a habit and we have a pattern that we're leaning on to reward ourselves or to, um, you know, make it seem like going to work is worthwhile because I get to own all these nice, beautiful shoes or dresses or cars or houses. You know, if it becomes that habitual, um, then maybe it's time to explore a different way of expressing or experiencing value in your life. Um, and I'll tell you, when they made the one change, it was life changing. Um, and these were not difficult things to change because you were trading, you, you were moving off of a trade that was basically a little bit of guilt, a little bit of um, uh, regret after the fact, and you were replacing it with something that you truly were willing to go after. Um, and so instead of looking back on your life, you turn and you look forward and you go after things in, instead of settling for things. Um, so t- this isn't a spreadsheet decision. This is an emotional kind of common sense decision. 
Yeah, and the way we often arrive at um, working with people who have an emotional sort of relationship to money, because that's not the only kind of relationship, but there are seven different relationships people have with money. Those who um, have more of an emotional one, we categorize them um, using the word spender. We all have to spend money. So spender is not a bad word. It's not, a, it's not negative. Um, but a spender, feeler, empathetic person has a kind of relationship with money. The, uh, another type of relationship is the earner-worker type. Those are the folks who might use a spreadsheet or might be more into allocating their, their time and their energy and their money. You know, so they're they're very different than the ones who are being emotional with it. These are more the thinker types. Um, and then the other five, because there's seven, uh, saver, investor, lever, giver, and taker. And um, so we have a quick little assessment that people can take. And if you answer seven questions, you'll know what your nature is. Um, and knowing what your nature is, you'll finally know something about yourself that if you reflect on how you've made important financial decisions throughout your life, you'll all of a sudden be like, well, that's why I was attracted to that. Um, when I was looking at colleges, I, was a, I, would, I would have borrowed all the money in the world to go to Brown University. I didn't get in. And I was unwilling to go into any debt. I got a partial scholarship to offer to play lacrosse at Syracuse University. And I'm like, yeah, but I'd still have to take on debt. And I didn't want to live at home because that's what kind of where I grew up. And so like, I want to go away and I don't want any debt. And so I went to a state school and after a while, I'm like, why did I make that decision? And I started to regret it. And then Syracuse University won like three national championships in a row and I could have been on the team. And I'm like, no, I got to, I got to leave here and I got to go somewhere else. So, you know, that, that story about why did I make that decision made so much more sense when I got older and I realized, oh, well, I'm a lever. I am wired a certain way. I make decisions. I have a tendency to be easygoing and try to go with the flow. And, you know, I borrowed my dad's concept of debt versus leverage. All debt is bad and, you know, made the decision. And eventually I had to undo the decision, but, you know, that decision got me to where I am. So I don't regret any of those decisions, but it's so much nicer to now know how I'm wired to do money and have this tool that helps us know how everybody who comes to see us is wired to approach it. Because now we know your hardware, we can load the proper software upgrade on your, on your hardware. Right. And for those of you who are listening, if you don't have the book, and I'm hoping you go get the book, we're talking about part two, the self, and what he's talking about, the spender, the earner, the saver, the seven, those are the color-coded sections. And the lever happens to be kind of a purpley blue. I'm not, I'm going to go with violet. I don't know what color you would call that. But when you open page 97, you, it says a lever is a tool that makes it easy to lift a heavy object. And then at the top of it, you've got the strengths, the weaknesses, the happiness fields, which is easy, stress-free, 
I don't even know what that feels like. <laughs> and then happiest, I want to. And then happiest when uplifting self and others. I do know what that feels like. But I understand what you're saying. I mean, we have to figure out who, how, I don't even, people say, well, how did you get like this? I don't know. I don't care. I just want to fix it. I'm not one of those people that says, I have to go back into the womb and figure out what my mama did to me before I was even born. Not important. Figure out what you can do to change now or refocus or understand what it is that you're doing and if and how you should change your focus. In the, in the book, The Untethered Soul, um, there's this concept that the, 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 the what's happening to you the words you're having, the feelings you're having, the experiences you're having, the outside world interacting with you is 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 all something that you can observe. Um, but then you try to observe what's you, you try to observe who's the observer, <laughs> and, right. and it gets it gets really really murky. Um, and so what 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 this concept does of how am I wired? to evaluate the trades that I make, allow me to step back and say, this is the way I am, but I don't have to be that way in this instance. Um, you know, I don't have to spend money right now. Instead, what I might really need is to take a nap. What I might really need is to go for a bike ride. What I might really need is to do something with my time and my energy rather than Money, which is basically stored energy, could be used to buy something, but that something, unless it's something we're going to use, is just more stored energy. So back to this concept of trading stuff for stuff is, is, is proven to be less satisfying than trading your money for the food that gives you energy to get on a bike, go for a bike ride, and be in shape and do it with some other people on a group right you know it's it's the experiences of living life amongst other people who are different than us because being with them allows us to learn from them that that's a richer experience than taking a little bit of money and and using it to to to, to buy a souvenir <laughs> um, or a purse which or, or, <laughs> but, or, or, or a purse to hold your money in I have to say, I sent it back. I went, oh, you're so pretty. And then I sent it back because honestly, it, it was more expensive than I really, it, I mean, it was a reward to me, but I, I just didn't need it. So I sent it back and kissed it goodbye. <laughs> but but the thing is, we're, we're talking now about, you know, how these things make us feel, how I have always said, and I don't know if this is true or not, but you and I are kind of touching on it a bit, but I've always considered money to be a form of energy. It took energy right. to find it, save it, keep it, spend it. It's energy, and it's not just a piece of paper. Although, I'll tell you, I have exactly $3 in my wallet. I don't carry cash. And I found that $3 the other day, and I still don't know where it came from. It's probably been in there for years. But, you know, it's money is not all that tangible. So how we deal with it has to become, I think, pretty important for us. It's, it's certainly become less tangible as we moved from, you know, coins and paper into the electronic medium of an ATM card. 
um, it's become less tangible. So it's really easy to um, uh, accidentally enroll in a subscription that takes money from you every month. Um, yep. And if you don't log in and look, um, and my daughter Sydney the other day, she was trying to unsubscribe from something and they were making it really, really hard. And, and uh, eventually they're like, well, what if we gave you the, the membership for free, like it, a free membership? Um, and I'm like, well, actually, if it's energy, it ain't free. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to say that it's not going to cost me any money. But the fact that you continue to send bits of information my way means that you're intruding on my space and you're using my energy and my attention to draw me away from things that I really want to spend my time and my energy and my life on. And you're not it. So please go away, go away easily. Um, But you know, that person on the other end of the phone has a job to do and they're going to, they're going to try and do it. And for those of us who, who want to be polite, um, we might be that, you know, the relationship trumps the money and, you know, we might then um, trade poorly and allow them to sort of win the discussion um, when, when really it's, it's, it's important for us to, to manage that out of your life. Right. Right. Manage time, manage focus. And that leads me to, in your book, you mentioned expanding awareness about other natures and flexing into them. And that's your words, not mine. So, and again, we've touched on it a bit. So, okay, you know, we can go from, and not all at once and not all the time, maybe you're a spender in one instance, and the next time you're a giver. So how do we understand that we have all of these things that we can be looking at and how do we understand when is the best time to say, I don't want to be a giver today. I want to be a lover. So uh, our, our assessment is really powerful uh, in this, in this way. Um, I had a woman, she took the assessment. She got giver. She got giver not once, not twice, but seven times. She took the assessment seven times. She was trying to not get giver. Uh, she even saw a question that her husband answered and, and that was early in the seven questions. So she, she, she like was trying to manipulate the, the program. And so she got to answer a question that he got to answer. And um, so she answered that one and then she went on and finished the other four questions maybe. And at the end she got give her again and she was complaining about it and and I said, why are you so opposed to being a giver? Like, if that's how you're wired, why are you not accepting of the fact that you're a giver? And she says, I don't have any money to give. But it's and not just money. I said, but is that because you're giving away your time and your energy and your knowledge and you're not adequately charging people for it? And she's like, oh my God, you're so right. Um, and so to, to, to investigate yourself using a tool outside that helps you look inside, that's the power of what this book is about is, is it's trying to help people look inside. And it's, um, there's, there's a great book by a young Pueblo called Lighter. And in it, he's got a paragraph where he says, awareness is the key to transformation 
Then there's a paragraph with, you know, see, observe, you know, like eight different words for like visual manifestation and, but it's all words. And so in, in this book, the pictures, the pictures that are in the book are supposed to help you um, get the concepts, see the context. Um, and, and, and that's, that's the way money is, is if you can really understand the context is not just money, 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 money and stuff. It's, time and energy traded to receive money for for what you have done that has created value for others so that you can then take that value and go and do it again in a different way to try and get the things that you value out of life exactly and i'm on the giver chapter and the strengths generosity leadership teaching helping gratitude weaknesses, martyrdom, enabling, fantasizing, lack of self-care, ow, happiness feels fulfilling, happiest when giving to others. Look, I'm all there for the top two. The other ones, I, nope, <laughs> I'm not going to keep doing that. <laughs> so I'm probably partially a giver. I have to go take that assessment. I admit I have not done that yet. But there's a, and there's a characteristics chart here that, you know, people I love the way this book is laid out. I can't stress this enough. What are you finding when you're talking with people that, excuse me, once you kind of reframe, reframe things like you've done a couple of times here, they get it almost instantly, don't they? You don't have to keep belaboring the point. You just reframe it, ask them to reframe it and think about it. And all of a sudden, like, I never thought of it like that. It, you know, I keep waiting for it to not work. <laughs> it, it works uh, so well. And, and every time there's, there's one, so there's seven financial natures and then there's three motivations. And so we end up with 21 different types of people. Um, and then if you think about the concept of male and female energy, um, so there's, um, you know, add those two as well. And we end up with 23 different, um, different types. And when we look at our genetic makeup, we have 23 chromosomes, two of them determine our sex and um, the other 21 determine our type. And, and so our very genetics cause us to be attracted to certain words the words we're attracted to are the words we use to talk to ourselves and so when we talk to ourselves perpetually for a long period of time we just strengthen certain neural pathways and other ones are left to atrophy and so we end up with a pattern of existence that is manifested in the way we relate to money but it but that pattern translates into time and energy and relationship as well. Um, Susan, um, my wife was a Pilates instructor and a personal trainer. And we would have conversations about what I do and what she does. And we do the same thing. We just do it different medium. And um, so it is, it is, it is fascinating to, to see how quickly people, when they accept the description of how they are, and they're a little freaked out by it. 
honestly. You know, it's, you answer seven questions and then you get this thing back. It's like, oh my God, how do you know me so well? But there's one motivation. So there's three. There's one that has the most difficulty accepting. Um, so they're, they're, the three motivations are protect, manage, and pursue. Pursuers pursue. They answer the assessment. They answer it quickly. They get a result. They're like, yeah, that's me. Protectors, same thing. Um, they go through it. Um, they really want to know who they are. Um, and they, they get the result and they accept. The, the managers, sometimes they need to take it two or three or like this one woman seven times. Um, but once people accept the description of how they are, and we are able to show them that the other ways are also acceptable, then you become more accepting. And so that's like a um, Eckhart Tolle kind of uh, moment that people have by taking the assessment and seeing how these things play out. Um, it becomes very, very acceptable. Um, I've asked people, I've asked people this, this question. I said, what's your favorite musical note or your favorite color? Orange. What's your favorite musical note? I have no idea. Right? So that's the same. It's the same thing. Like we all have a favorite color. We all have a favorite relationship with money. Musical notes. Wow. Never thought of it that way. So no. if we can help people think of something a certain way, there's seven musical notes. Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti. Which is your favorite note? Well, blue is my favorite color. Well, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti. Maybe five, you know, if it, if, it, if it correlates. I can hit a high C if I'm really hysterical. <laughs> Can't we all? <laughs> I'll be darned. I never even thought about that. And something, and you just triggered a thought in my head. So once you take this assessment and it's looking you right in the eye, whether you've taken it one time or two or three, then my guess is that both consciously and unconsciously you're now going into deep curiosity you're you're paying attention you want to be consciously and unconsciously very curious about your beliefs and how you're you're operating we had um i got a, a, a urgent phone call from a woman on a monday um and she said my my sister knows you and she referred me to you but um my husband and i are having um, a discussion and we need, we need some help. And I think you're the person who can help us. And uh, she's like, do you have any time for us? I said, next week on Tuesday, I have some time. She's like, do you have anything sooner? And I said, this afternoon. And- um, Are they heading for a divorce attorney? Well, this probably is where it would have gone if it hadn't been resolved. Yeah. Um, but what, what, what happened was he was older by 10 years. She was 59. He was 69. He was a, we, we did the assessment. He was a giver and a doctor. And she was a, basically a stay at home mom. And he had gone down to Savannah, Georgia. And for some reason, his entire life, he'd had this, um, uh, desire to own a Georgia row house. Like that was his life purpose was to own a Georgia row house. So he went down there on business, was there alone and actually made an offer and earnest money down on a house and then came back to tell his wife about what he had done, 
Oh, it's going to be the greatest thing in the world. And these are not shoes. This is a house. <laughs> a big this is a, this is a house. Um, and so they needed to come in because they had seven days to retract the offer or lose the earnest money, which was like $7,500. Um, so we had her take the assessment and she got saver. So he's a giver. She's a saver in between those two, the same way, you know, the, the, the rainbow has a certain order to the colors or musical notes. You play scales. So in between the saver and the giver, you have investor and lever. And he didn't want to use any leverage. He didn't want to borrow any money. He was going to cash out all their investments oh, oh, oh. and all their savings because he didn't want to use any leverage and so this is this is what we this is what we mean is like if this is your nature to the left or right might be your distortion you might over or under emphasize something as a result of how you're wired so he's like debt's bad well you know what's really really comforting comforting and relaxing and wonderful for a saver savings <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and next to that would be investments. Um, and so he was, he was threatening to take away all the things that were comfortable f- for her because he had a discomfort. I have to ask, had he ever met her? Yeah. yeah this, <laughs> was they were married. This, is, this, this was in person. But and, did, had he ever really met her? How could he not know this? That's amazing. Well, you don't know, you know, what was he? he Prior to coming to see us, he couldn't have looked at her and said, she's a saver who values and finds comfort and relaxation in having money. And so we were able to educate them, show them, give them the visual context for what this argument was really all about. And at the end of it, I told them, and we used financial planning software to, to demonstrate that buying another piece of, buying a piece of real estate is a great investment. It's a diversifier for your portfolio, but the way you're approaching it is, is, is increasing your overall risk because you're getting rid of your savings and your other investments. So now and you have the tax implications. Yeah. And so we, um, we got them to see and to understand each other. And so they, he, he was not willing to borrow as much money as it would have taken to buy that one. So instead, he's like, all right, well, we'll get our money back and then we'll go, go down together and we'll see if there's a smaller, less expensive one that I'd be willing to borrow some money to buy and, and, and I can have my dream um, and she can have me eventually retire from being a doctor. <laughs> well, that's, I'm glad they, they contacted you. It sounds like it's a, a very good resolution. Although if she's never been to Georgia... Oh, Lordy, there's going to be getting used to that. It's very humid where we all live. I mean, in I'm in Southwest Louisiana. We have two seasons hot and hotter in hell. Right. And of course, we've got the hurricane season right in the middle of both of those seasons. So, and the humidity is just unconscious, unconscionable. It's just you walk outside and go, nope, and you go right back in the door. I grew up in Syracuse, New York, which is known for being one of the cloudiest places on the planet. And in the summer, it gets hot, hazy, and humid. And in the winter, you have lake effects now 120 inches a year. And and so, you know, when we when we realize how 
um, uh, adaptable we are as human beings to different kinds of environment. Um, you know, we can, we can go on vacation and fall in love with places, you know, we can be from New England and fall in love with Savannah, Georgia, or, um, I, I've never been to where you are, uh, I've been to New Orleans, but, um, you know, that's like just another city. Um, when we realize that we can be just as adaptable when it comes to, to, to money, um, but not until we actually see different ways and have different experiences. Good point. But, if we, but if we have those experiences and we don't convert them into words that are then meaningful to us, then we kind of revert back to just telling ourselves the same old story and we fall back into our, our habitual way of making decisions. Um, yeah. You know, that save, save, sense. save, 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 save. How boring is that? You know, like save and invest and leverage and make enough money to meet all of your needs and wants and be generous to other people might be one of your wants. Um, so, you know, I wrote the book because I was inspired. I had a lot of 3 a.m. visitations. Um, and ultimately, it's just patterns. Um, and if you can know what your patterns are and realize that some other patterns might be really useful for this stage of your life, then, you know, you can be, you can be rewiring your, your brain by loading different words, different software and in, into yourself and, and, and become very satisfied in ways that you never even realized. You said something important there, this stage in your life, because every, you know, when you're a teenager, you don't care. You don't understand money. You just need gas money. That's all you need. Got to go. Right. And then, you know, you're young married, you need diapers, you know, the, your life changes and how you need money, require money, earn money changes. So there are life stages, obviously. My sister has always done very, very well for herself. And I mean, she's in California. Ouch, my cat just bit me while he grabbed my, my <laughs> microphone. Sorry, he didn't bite. Um, yeah, and she's in California and she's owned several homes and she's done really well. I'm so proud of her. And she was a saver, big time saver, you know, very aware of what her money was doing, where it was going. And she still is. Don't, don't mistake me, but she's reached a point in her life. She says, you know what? I'm going to spend it all. And what's left will go in a, a you know, cookie jar. That's it. I'm gonna, I earned it. I'm going to spend it. She's not, you know, her son is going to inherit most of it, but she's, I've watched her recently spend money that 10 years ago, I would have been shocked. And now I'm like, Hey, go you. And she's making good decisions. She's not just frivolously, you know, wandering around with a, a credit card, but she's willing to take that energy, that money that she worked so hard for and get the things that she and her husband really do want or want to do. That was a big change for her. Uh, yeah, I, I have um, I have some clients. They have they're in a similar situation. They have more than enough money. And um, so there's one guy who said, uh, "You need to figure out how to spend more money." He's like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, you don't have anybody to leave it to." <laughs> and you know, just just accumulating it that's not really your 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 goal you don't you don't seem excited to accumulate more and more and more money um 
And so maybe you could spend a little bit of time thinking about how you could spend it. Um, so he went away, comes back, and he's like, we've, this, we've decided to buy the piece of property that abuts ours. I said, that's not a spend, that's an investment, you know? <laughs> <laughs> there is, and that's another thing. There's a big difference between spending and investing or buying something and investing. Like, look, we're all in the sales. All of us have something to sell, whether it's a product or a service or a podcast, we're selling. It's just the nature of, of humans. And honestly, if you can't articulate what it is that you are buying or investing in, you need to sit down with a piece of paper and figure out what you're doing. So he came back and he's like, we decided to get a car. I'm like, there you go. That's a depreciating <laughs> asset. <laughs> oh, you're a bad influence. I can tell. <laughs> you really are. But I understand what you're, you're doing. It's, and it does make sense. So it, they don't have any, you know what? There's a lot of dog rescues that could use some money. Start looking at some of those. Yeah, and that's part of what um, what I was doing was in order to get them into any kind of a giving mood, I had to convince them that they had more than enough money to spend. They had more than enough savings. Their investments were going to take care of them for the rest of their lives. Um, you know, joy and ease were already values that were, you know, structurally sound in their lives. And the next thing was, how can you give back? How can you... How, how can you part with your money in a way that um, is meeting the needs of other people? Um, so, you know, not everybody is wired to be generous. They sometimes have to learn at a certain stage in life how to be generous. Um, and that's, that's kind of the stage in life where these, where these, um, where these folks are. So, you know, the stages, that's not a, there's not a lot on the stages in this book. Cause I had to like, you know, I had this, I had to end the book at a certain point, but maybe the next book also, it helps people address um, our workbook talks about life stages as well as different financial states and levels and how to move through and among all these different things. Um, but you know, my, my kids are of an age where they are allowed to spend their time and their money, you know, they're allowed because we still pick up uh, a lot of um, the responsibility for caring that for them. But but they're now moving into that stage of life where it's about earning your own money, um, moving out of the house, going out on your own, becoming more and more responsible. Um, and you know, we acknowledge people can get stuck in a certain stage of life. Um, and sometimes that's the stage that's most attracted to that nature. Um, and, uh, so I think of like, um, Bruce Springsteen saying glory days, uh, you know, it's just some people who kind of get stuck there. Um, it's interesting to think about an experiment where you had everybody take the assessment and see if people who get stuck there are of a certain nature. Um, so we have. We have more studying to do, but the basic premise is now out in, in a book form. Four currencies, three motivations, seven financial natures, 
how do we how do we trade how do we do this thing called life um here's a way that can help you visualize and through visualization transform your life by knowing something about yourself that we could only guess at before Exactly. And in your book, we're, well, we're just about out of time. I knew we were going to, this was going to happen because it's a fascinating book and it's a fascinating topic. In fact, are you going to, to add to this book? Or are you going to have another one anytime soon? Um, so the first, this, this book's out, there's probably going to be a revision with a new cover. Um, so maybe a, a, a quick little second edition. It's wonderful to be self-published because you can just change mm-hmm. direction on a dime. Um, but we also have a workbook, um, so we do a group financial planning program through our organization called currency camp. Um, and that workbook is kind of a companion to the book. And, and so that's, that's going to be published shortly. Mm. Um, and we're working with some organizations that are going to help us turn it into, you know, something online, um, so we've got big plans. Um, I, I thought I would never, ever write another book. But as I, as I go around, and I talk to people, they're asking some other questions that are um, that are really interesting to think about. Um, what one of them is so saver versus earner um, saver versus earner who, who wait, people think they can earn their way into heaven. Others think you're just saved. Isn't this like, this is like the Northern Ireland, Ireland conflict. And so there's, 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 as, as people are seeing, you know, labor versus capital, this, this book's, it can go so many other places and, and it's going to be fun to see how it evolves. Um, uh, but, but after taking 20 years to write the first book, I'm like, yeah, no, never. Um, but that's like, that's like, right. that's like my wife running the Boston marathon and going, now I'll never do that again. And now she's done it 10 times. So. There you go. Well, <laughs> the reason I ask is when you have a new book or you have something ready, come back. I would love to have you come back because one of the things that we did not have an, opportunity to talk about was um let me go back to my notes here intentional evolution so i Mm -hmm. really wanted to kind of cover that so if you don't mind coming back maybe in a few months or whenever you've got the workbook let's let's talk about that okay great yeah i would love to Good. And see, I'll ask you on the radio, so you can't tell me no, it's very tricky. Tom, <laughs> before I let you go, tell people where they can find you, where they can find the book, and any other information you want them to have, and then I will cut you loose and welcome you back again soon. The the, the best place uh, to go right now to get not just um, exposure to the book, but also do the assessment and um, have access to one of our websites is currencycamp.com. At currencycamp.com, the book comes up. You can make that go away if you're not interested in that. And then there's an orange box. You click the orange box, find your financial nature. The assessment comes up and um, seven questions. And you'll know something about yourself that might explain a whole bunch of things that um, will feel a, a, a great relief to know that 
you know, you're, you're not crazy. You're not unusual. You're not weird. You are just who you are and you're, you're perfect the way you are, but you're here to learn from other people who are perfect the way they are so that we can all become even better versions of ourselves. Thank you for that. I'm going to take the assessment. I've got one more hour long call right after this. And I just made myself a note, take the assessment. If you get a phone call from somebody singing in a high C hysterically, that's me (laughs) because I didn't know a darn thing about myself. But Tom, thank you so much for being here. I mean, I really appreciate it. Love the book. I mean, I like it with the current cover, but if you feel like sending me another one, I'll take that one too. And before we wrap up today's episode, if you have enjoyed today's episode and found our insights helpful, please leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. Your feedback helps me improve and reach more people on their success journeys. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave a review, and share your part in success radio with your friends and colleagues and go find this book. Money isn't everything. Everything is money by Tom Shepard. Tom, thank you so much. My pleasure. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.